Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 146. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Eric the Car Guy. Eric, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Indeed, I am. All right. It's great to have you here. Eric Cook is the face and voice behind Eric the Car Guy. He's created a website filled with massive information, detailed instruction, and fact-filled answers for all things automotive. His video will help you with all your automotive repairs and service needs. Not only does he cover basic service issues, but Eric goes in-depth in his instructional videos on repairs, diagnostics, frequently asked questions, tools, and what it's like to work in the automotive repair field, and even has a cool forum. He'll show you what to look for when you're shopping for a used car as well. Eric's motto, Stay Dirty, is all about learning how to have fun under the hood of your vehicle. So Eric, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your history, your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for fixing up automobiles? Thank you, Mark. Well, it's well as the song goes, what a long, strange trip it's been, uh, if I'm honest. I mean, I started out bouncing around from job to job. Um, I sort of uh, uh, ended up in auto repair, uh, and that was before that I was, I was painting houses, and I didn't like heights, but I always found myself working up high. So I was highly motivated to find something that would keep me grounded. Uh, so I ended up going to school for auto repair with uh, the last of the money that I had, and it was probably one of the best decisions I made because it opened up a lot of doors for me. So I went to school, graduated top of my class. It was an 18-month program, so it wasn't like interstellar bachelor degree kind of thing. But it, it was enough to, to get me the knowledge that I needed. I also had some very talented instructors, and it was a really good school I went to. It was Rosedale Technical Institute in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. But they, uh, they really helped me turn my life around in many different ways. Uh, and and gave me some direction. Mm-hmm. From that, I uh, 
ended up just diving headfirst into auto repair. Auto repair was something I always kind of did. I mean, my dad was was a mechanic, but not an auto mechanic. He worked on plastic molding machines growing up. In fact, he used to work for a uh, popular toy company, which I won't mention here because after 20 years, they uh, closed up shop and moved their uh, plant to Mexico and oh. pretty much out a job. Yeah. They're not getting a mention. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I I had access to tools and things from a very young age. Also, my grandfather on my mother's side was a fabricator, uh, so he he had been doing lots of things. He also worked on projects like Three Mile Island, things like that. Should I really mention that? But <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Once again, I, I've always had access to to tools. Always been around people that were working on things. So for me, it was kind of a natural thing. And while I was going to art school before I went to school to be a mechanic, I found myself. Uh, working on my friends' cars for pizza and beer, uh, so it just you know to me making that transition and saying okay, well I'm I'm going to move from more of an artistic background into something that I can actually use, like becoming an auto mechanic was was what I ended up doing. Once again, graduated top of my class, uh, ended up getting into uh, a dealership, which a blessing and a curse I would say. Uh, a blessing in the sense that I had access to the latest and greatest information, also access to brand new vehicles, which is a lot different than working on vehicles that are a little farther down the line. But most importantly, I was able to continue my education through their dealership uh, manufacturer-sponsored programs. Mm -hmm. so, th so that was really great to have. And I became an expert uh, on Hondas and Acuras, which is, is kind of where I cut my teeth. Well, I don't know if we'll get into it now, but some, at some point in the program, that, uh, that part of my career ended. It was somewhat abrupt, but I'd sort of reached a point where, anyway, be before the, the career actually ended that way, I'd sort of reached a point where I was, I was kind of getting bored. Uh, being a dealership technician is, is a lot different than working as, a, as your everyday work-on-everything type of mechanic that you might find in a general repair shop, mm -hmm. in that it, it becomes somewhat repetitive. And as a result, I got bored. I ended up quitting smoking which I needed something to do with my time because one thing, if, if you've ever smoked and then quit smoking, is you'll find you have a, a whole lot of time that you didn't realize that you had. <laughs> Another advantage of quitting smoking. Yeah, so uh, what I ended up doing with that time was uh, I, I sat down at a computer store one day and started playing around with a computer that had iMovie on it, and I, and I completely fell in love. And from that moment on, that's what I wanted to do because that allowed me to reconnect with that artistic side that I'd left behind when I went to school to become a technician. I really enjoyed it. So I, I started, you know, started pretty small with it, my own production company doing weddings, events, that type of thing. And, you know, worked on my friend's wedding was, was the first one I did. Everybody absolutely loved it. Uh, I absolutely loved doing it. I loved shooting it. I loved editing it. And I, I really developed a passion for it. So this whole time where I'm getting towards the, you know, what, what would be the end of my automotive career at the dealership, I had been building up my skills as a videographer, both in shooting and editing. When it came to that point where I was no longer working at the dealership, I decided, well, I was, I was watching YouTube. And there was a guy on there, uh, David's Farm, uh, who's a somewhat controversial figure on YouTube from the past. But one of the videos that he made was him holding up a check that he'd gotten from YouTube for uh, the month worth of income from his videos, which was like $7,000. Nice. Yeah, exactly. I said to myself, well, okay, he's on YouTube. He, he had a popular channel at the time. I think he had like 100,000 subscribers or whatever it was mm -hmm. and, and quite a few views. So you know, I, I, I looked at that situation and said, okay, I've got skills as a videographer and as a mechanic. And the kind of videos that he was doing were, you can't really call them mechanical videos because they weren't how-to. 
he just was basically having fun. He he literally had a farm up in Canada where he would mess around with his cars. And in fact, he was the one that started the cold start videos oh. where people go in the middle of winter and start something up from a cold start. I, I never understood that, but they've always been really popular. But he was he was the one that started that type of thing. So he had his own little niche is basically what I'm saying. And I realized early on that if I was going to do something like that, I needed to carve out my own niche. So looking at YouTube at the time, I could only think of one other person that was doing anything similar, and that was Scotty Kilmer. So and not wanting to do what he did and wanting to do my own thing, I figured, well, I'll just take these two things and put them together, video production, my mechanical skills, and create a channel called Eric the Car Guy. I worked and I worked. And at the time when I started the channel, YouTube was very different. In fact, you couldn't monetize your videos right off. You had to actually apply to become a, a partner so that they would monetize your videos. And it took me more than a year. So I ended up working and posting videos and doing all this stuff for nothing for more than a year before I actually got the okay to say, okay, you're a partner and you can start making money from your videos. My first month's income was 11 cents. So just to paint a picture, I mean, literally from the bottom to where I am now. And I'm not necessarily saying I'm at the top, but but that's that's how it all began. That's how it all kind of came together. So Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful story in so many ways, and especially for Cars yeah, and what Cars yeah is all about is taking a avocation, a passion for something or a skill set of something. You combined your artistic creative side, which I think is really fascinating with your mechanical side and created this site. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. I think it's fantastic. It's a wonderful story. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And it's a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, something that has some meaning to you. And it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I usually say, Eric, take the wheel, but I'm going to say, Eric, take the wrench. <laughs> uh, well, a couple of sayings come to mind uh, when you brought this up. Uh, the first was, uh, my life is an exercise in Murphy's Law. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that. But uh, the other one that, that comes to mind is, people dumber than me do this every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to, you know, whenever I find myself in that situation where I'm feeling somewhat overwhelmed, I just take a look at it and try to be practical about it and just say, you know what, sooner or later you'll overcome it. Yes. And that, that's kind of the point, in my opinion. Yeah, no, those are great quotes. I like those. And those are new new to me here on Cars Yes. I always like it when I hear, hear new quotes and new ideas and how they're incorporated into your world and your life. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me if you can remember that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Um, well, as I said, I always had access to, to tools and things. And before I worked on cars, I was working on my bikes. I was down in my grandfather's workshop. We used, I, I used to live with my grandparents for a while in uh, upstate New York, and they lived behind a driving range. Now, no, this wasn't an affluent neighborhood or anything. There were only eight houses on the street. We were on the tail end of it or whatever, and down at the bottom of the driving range. So we ended up with golf balls and in lawn all the time. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, we had this giant bin of golf balls that I was basically practicing with my tool, my grandfather's tools uh, on these things, doing all sorts of uh, clandestine experiments, if you will. <laughs> but but it, as far as it just it wasn't so much a passion for cars, just a passion for how things were put together and how things worked. So it wasn't just cars. And, and long before I got into cars, I mean, I was taking apart my toys. I was taking apart just everything that I could get my hands on, sometimes to my parents' dismay, you know, after Christmas getting brand new toys or whatever, and here they all are all apart on the floor. And it's like, you know, hey, what are you doing? We just spent a bunch of hard-earned money on that. And you're never going to get that back together. <laughs> and, 
and and they were right, you know. There were many times where I didn't get them back together, but I did get to a point where I was able to put things back together. So it really, it, what my passion was more for just how things were put together and engineering and cars became an extension of that. And that that happened obviously when I was a teenager and I started driving myself. That's that's when the car part came into it. But before that, it was pretty much anything I could get my hands on and take apart. Yeah, you know, ever for as long as I can remember, I've, I've always been that way. Fantastic. So, Eric, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Something you're really used to doing. Would you share with me a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career, perhaps? But more importantly, how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, this is a nice segue into uh, how my career at the dealership ended, mm-hmm. and th- and that sort of sort of spurred me on to to create Eric the Car Guy in the first place. Uh, and that was uh, well, to it, it's it's hard to to do this story without doing do, putting some detail into it, but. I'll do the best I can to to summarize. Okay. It was like this. I I had a relationship with the uh, parts manager. Not that kind of relationship. We were friends. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, From time to time, people would come in to the parts department and be looking for, let's say, discounted auto repair, Mm -hmm. looking for technicians who might do side work. And since I worked on this parts manager's car, he he tended to favor me in those situations. Well, one of these situations came up. And uh, he introduced me to a woman who had a, uh, a car at the time that was honestly on its last leg. She asked me to take a look at it. I had my own shop off-site at the time. Uh, so she brought it to my shop. I looked at the car. It was in really sad shape. I'm like, you know what? You really need a new car. For, me to, for you to give me the money that you don't have to try to fix this car, is not, it's, it's good money over bad. Mm-hmm. So we need to find you another solution. Anyway, flash forward to one day when I was at work. Uh, we used to work on a team system, so I worked with three other guys. And one of the guys that I'd work with was doing some work on a car. He was doing a, a resealing some an oil leak. Uh, there was an oil leak into the spark plug wells of that car. Well, he had to take part of the cylinder head apart with all the rocker arm assembly and everything off in order to fix these seals, put it all back together. But when he did, one of the rocker arms wasn't placed correctly. And as a result, it ended up hitting the valve wrong, knocking Ooh. the keepers out valve dropped down into the engine blew the engine up yeah so customer leaves expecting a fix ends up coming back on a tow truck with a car that's well they've got a blown engine the thing of it is this has been a really good customer of ours in fact bought the car new from us had it serviced with us for years everything else about the car was perfect it just had a bad engine at that point so uh when they when the problem first came to our attention i went to the management and i said you know what maybe this might be a good situation because it was an older car i mean this this was like mid-2000s and this was like a mid-90s car so it was well over 10 years old at the time i said why don't you make the guy a deal on a new car rather than you know trying to go through all this bs here and you know that way we can just wash our hands of it mm-hmm. they're like no he wants his car back that kind of thing so they ordered an engine for the car to bring it in well a part way through that whole thing after the engine had been ordered sitting on the shop floor they decided to put the guy in a new car. <laughs> so there it is. We have a car with a blown engine, an engine sitting on the floor, nothing going on. Except I have this woman who needs a car. <laughs> so I went to the powers that be and I said, you know what? I can come in like on a Saturday, put this engine in this car, uh, and you can sell the car to this woman who needs a car. So they're going to sell it to the dealership. But what I want out of the deal is I'm coming in on a Saturday when I'm not working anyway. I'm going to be doing all this work. This way I could use your shop, use your lift, that type of thing, to get the work done, the engines here, all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, so I put it all together, give you a car to sell, and I get her old car. So I was going to take her old car, fix it up, and and do that kind of thing. So that way she wasn't out of pocket anything from me. She's just going to pay them for the car and, and mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. It all seemed to be something that was going to be really great, and everybody was going to walk away happy. Well, she did walk away happy. She came in and bought the car and was extremely happy with it. It ran really well. Like I said, everything else about the car was fantastic. So she walked away with a really good car. Unbeknownst to me, what was really going on behind the scenes was because of the way the paperwork and everything was set up, the used car department sold her the car, but she owed the parts department for the engine. So she came in one day to pay for the engine after she'd already bought the car. So they let her take the car because she owned the car, but she was going to pay the parts department later on down the road. Well, Mm -hmm. just so happens that my friend, the parts manager, went home sick that day. So when she came in to pay for the engine, the big parts manager for the whole place came in and said, I don't know anything about this. It's already been marked as paid. Hmm. So apparently what had happened was is my parts manager friend had put the paperwork through and saying that it was already paid for the engine and was going to take the money that she was bringing in, and, and which was about $900. Once this was found out, because I was the one that put the engine in, because the parts manager was the one that you know, brought her in and all that type of thing. They grouped us together, fired us both. Yeah. Oh. You know, and, and here it is the whole time trying to do the right thing. You know, they say they're with good intentions. Well, it's true. That was a very, very difficult day. In fact, I couldn't even come home that day. They, I walked in the morning, the first thing in the morning, it was Halloween on, of all days, and I was going to take my kids out trick-or-treating that night. Yeah. I walk in, and <laughs> not even an hour later, I'm out of my butt. I went back. I didn't go straight home, went back to my shop and just sort of sat there and it was tr- just trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh. I didn't want to come home with any of that, you know. And to be fair, you know, I, I wasn't really happy there. And, and I was looking to build my video production p- business to a point where I could leave and yeah. just leave the repair altogether. You know, uh, sometimes when doors close, other doors open. And I know that's trivializing what was at the time a terrible situation, but uh, I understand understand you asked for an anecdotal story about you know how things happen and bad things happened to me in that particular point in time but it all ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because i've got to say what i do now is a world away from what i used to do and and i hear here i am getting interviewed by you <laughs> where it's if i was still at that job and i could potentially still be there had that incident not happened nobody would know nobody would care yeah and, uh, yeah nobody Nobody had ever heard of Eric the Car Guy. It never would have happened. So, Well, I, that's a great segue to my next question, and, and I appreciate you sharing that very personal story. That Wow, what a situation. Let's shift gears completely here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And you touched on this at one point, but I'd like you to share a story when you had a real aha moment about this Eric the Car Guy. And share with me when you really realized, you know what, I think this is going to really make it. I think this is going to be something. And tell us how you turned that aha moment into your success. To be honest, I can't really put a finger on the aha moment, so to speak. It was just, uh, you know, when I came up with the idea, oh, take video production and marrying it with uh, my mechanical skills and, and try to present those to the world. Because a part of me was was sort of trying to take revenge on the dealership. I figured, you know, the more customers I could take away from them, the better. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So, so I, I admit that I had a little bit of, you know, vendetta going on. But really what motivates me more than anything with with what I do is the emails that I get, the comments that I get, the 
the people that reach out to me and say, "Hey, Eric, you know, I was in a similar situation, or or I was in dire straits, and and I had a problem with my car. I pulled up one of your videos. It helped me fix it. I didn't have to spend hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars to do something. And you know, just thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, those are wonderful, aren't they? When people give you that uh, acknowledgement that what you're doing is right. Yeah, that that bit of validation, you know, just just even people that say, hey, Eric, you know, love your videos, love your work. But but more than anything else, it's those people that reach out and say, you know, I was at my wit's end. I used one of your videos. It helped me do what I needed to do. And, you know, you saved the day for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like having superhero status. <laughs> there you go. As far as, you know, what motivates me, you know, what, what gives me those moments, those aha moments, it's, it's when I actually have a positive effect on someone else's life. And that, that, that keeps me doing it every single day. Well, that may have answered my next question for you. And that was, and you've probably had many of these, but is there one really proud moment you can share with me in your career that just stands out in your mind? Um, it's, as far as me personally, it was SEMA this past year. I went to SEMA for the first time this November. I'd never been out there before, and it was it was a really incredible experience. It was like, up to this point, it's been kind of a high watermark. And then the week before SEMA, I was actually down in Texas with Shell at the F1 race. So, Ooh, wow. You know, it, it's, well, it's just been a heck of a year. And then before that, I'm in Bowling Green, Kentucky with Mobile One racing a, a C7 Corvette around a racetrack with my friends. Honestly, it keeps getting better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. What a wonderful story. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Could you share with me your first really special car? It doesn't have to be your first car, but one that really had a lot of meaning for you. No, to me, it was my first car. Okay. And, and it, it, it affected me you know, on many levels and, and has affected me from, from that moment on. And it was a 1972 Galaxy 500. It was forest green with a pea green top. It was rusted out, so rusted out that when I initially went to pull it out of the driveway, that one of the brake lines went and it peed all over the driveway. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't much to speak of. I, I made it cool by painting the grill black. They come with gray grills and they look really pedestrian. But you paint the grill black, and it makes it mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, and she's a big girl too. Uh, mine had the three fifty one Windsor that came with a lot of different configurations. But that being my first car, I, I actually had the car before I was able to drive it. So it was my father's winter car. We parked it out behind the barn, and I would. And he gave me the keys. I couldn't drive it anywhere. He gave me the keys, and I, I would just go out there and sit and listen to the radio when I was like fifteen. <laughs> Uh, one day, one day, you and I are going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to see other things through this windshield besides this backyard. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I love that. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car that you've let go in your life that you really wish you could have back? As far as seller's remorse, not so much. I actually gave my oldest son uh, my 1991 Integra. I've owned five Integras, and I really like those cars. I, I think they're some of the, well, they're, for me, they're easy to work on. Plus, I've got a lot of spare parts for them. Mm-hmm. That being said, my favorite was my 1991 that I had. I had a, a set of 16-inch Motegi wheels on it with low-profile tires, and I, you know, it's it looked like garbage and it spontaneously <laughs> combusted one day. Oh, yeah, the, the, horn, the horn circuit shorted out, and, uh-huh. and somebody knocked on the door and said, "Hey, is that your car outside on fire?" And I'm like, "No, that's not my car. I'm a mechanic. I fix things." Yeah, you know? right. Like, don't catch on fire. Looked out the door, and sure enough, fire came and made a mess of the whole thing and i had to replace part of the wiring harness so like it had it had some part in the front of the hood around the battery that was completely roasted away and 
it had uh, JDM headlights, and you know, it it didn't look like much. Had three hundred twenty six thousand miles on it, but it was. I always liked it because I called it my Tie Fighter. To where you know it's because it, Tie Fighters don't have a lot of armor, but they're really fast and nimble. How about projects? Is there some great new project you're working on there at Eric the Car Guy that you want to let people know about? Yes. All right. <laughs> Uh, just uh, one year ago, uh, right about now, I purchased a 1979 Ford Fairmont. And you're thinking to yourself, what? <laughs> I didn't it's say a really, it. <laughs> well, you didn't say it, but you were thinking it. Anybody yeah. that's old enough to cars knows what kind of garbage they are. <laughs> that being said, it just so happens it's also a Fox body. So everything that, well, pretty much everything that bolts onto a Mustang bolts onto this car. So later this year, I've, I've actually been working pretty hard this year. And I've squared up a bunch of things, and, and I'm going to be starting uh, working on that later in the spring of 2015. But it's going to be a killer sleeper is what it's going to be. I'm going to put a V8 cool. transmission, redo the suspension, brakes, everything. It's, it's going to look like a stock old man car, but it's going to go like stink. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Now, now I'm getting excited. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Now, here's a funny question for you, Eric. If Eric the car guy was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Well, um, good question. I'm thinking not a particular brand or model, but uh, something that's come up a lot lately in my forum discussions and everything. I've done a video about this recently, but I would say Eric the Car Guy is a reliable POS. <laughs> now, that's a unique answer. Yeah, and, and the reason I say that is because you know the reliable POS is the thing you don't worry about, but always starts up and goes when you need it to. Yeah. So it might have a few dents in it, it might have some rust, it might, you know, the upholstery might be ripped up a little bit. Cosmetically, it might not be doing so great. Mechanically, maybe everything doesn't work, like the right rear window doesn't go up and down, but all the rest of them do. You know, that type of thing. But every time you get in, you hit the key, you know it's going to go somewhere. And you can park it anywhere because you don't care if a shopping cart hits it or something like that because it's already messed up. <laughs> I like that answer. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I'm a reliable POS. All right, Eric. We're entering what I call the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Maybe it's not the size of your pencil. It'll tell you write your name. <laughs> okay. Now that is a unique one too. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes? Organization. Ah, uh, yes. It works. It works on every level uh, as far as uh, when you take things apart and when you're taking cars apart, sometimes you're taking a lot of parts apart and if you don't stay organized, you're not going to be able to get it back together. Same thing with business. Yep. I love it. Or the more effective you'll be. Yeah. How about a resource? Is there one in particular you're really fond of that you would share with the Cars Yeah listeners? Maybe it's a website or a blog that you receive? Oh, yeah. EricTheCarGuy.com. <laughs> I thought you'd say that. <laughs> well, again, I'll remind our listeners that we'll definitely have that posted on Eric's show notes page, his uh, link to his website. And you really should go there and check it out. Some fantastic things there. How about a book? Is there one book in particular that you've really enjoyed in the past that you'd like to share with us? That's a tough one because I've, I've read a lot of books. And, and actually, one that I read recently was from an unknown author. I probably should run over and grab it to, to figure out who it was. But it was a mechanic and a gentleman. I thought that was pretty interesting. It was actually uh, a woman who went to uh, auto repair school after she'd already had a career as an accountant. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, was a pretty nice, it was a pretty nice account of, of what it's like and, and what it is to go to school as a technician and the different characters and personalities that you run into. But also, uh, 
Honda an American success story? Oh yes. I read up on on Shakira Honda. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but but his life was was kind of an inspiration also. Oh, and Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Ah, yes. Philosophy book. My son gave me that book. Yes. Great book. So, Eric, we're up to the last question. This is the checkered flag, and this can be a real doozy for some people to answer. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something that you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, so if you say a Ferrari GTO, just you can buy 100 collector cars, that won't work. But money's no object. Christmas is just a week away. I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that car be and why? You know, I I struggle with this question in a lot of ways. But I think I haven't narrowed down. Like part of the struggle comes between the the whole Chevy Ford thing, because one side of me says '69 Camaro SSRS, uh, but I'm not going to go with that. Instead, I'm going to sort of go off the grid a little bit. I'm going to go for the 1967 Mercury Cougar, similar to one that you would see in From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Except I want to make sure that mine has a 427 side oiler in it and a four speed transmission. Uh, 373 gears in the rear. And I, I don't want the new weirdo wheels. I like the old Kregers is yeah. what I want. Oh, yeah. So I want it dark green, Kregers, hood scoop, spoiler in the back, 427. Nice. Well, you painted a great picture there. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. What What is it about that car in particular that just really tugs on your heartstrings? It has a lot of sex appeal to me. And and part of it part of it comes from as I said when I took my old Ford and took it from that gray grill pedestrian looking thing and painted it black, I've always had a thing for covered headlights. So and and I I'm sad that they're they're sort of gone away. But I always had a thing for them. So having a, a straight grill across the front, I like the Chryslers that do that also. That just have a straight black grill and then the headlights sort of come out. I don't I don't know what it is about cars like that. But I've always I've always had a, a thing for them just because to me, when I looked at those older cars, it's like they had eyes. But, you know, with with the covers over the top of them, it's more like they're ninjas. <laughs> yeah, a little mystery there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, you know, having that, as girls would call it, the smoky eye effect. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, great choice, my friend. I love that. You've taken us on a great ride today, and, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that cougar? Well, I'll close this like I close everything. Be safe, have fun, stay dirty. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Well, listeners, again, the best thing you can do is check out Eric's The Car Guy's website. It's just a, a lot of fun. You can learn so many things there. What is the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, Eric? Actually, at ericthecarguy.com, there is a link there for the About page. It uh, covers a lot of what I've talked about here, and then some also uh, goes a little bit behind the scenes, shows my production and post-production process as well, if they want to learn more about that. And also, it's there to help them with their automotive issues more than anything else. I've put a lot of time, money, and effort into making that site a place where people can go if they have automotive issues. Well, it's an amazing site. I had some fun on the site last night. There's just so many things there. I mean, you can just get lost watching the videos and learning. and. Uh, listeners, again, go to carsyad.com slash Eric the Car Guy. You'll find his site. You'll find links to his site and the other resources he shared with us today. It's a great place to go have some fun and to learn and to stay dirty, as you say. Thank you, Eric, for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me today. It's been great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!